0: I just don't think society understands. I mean, it, the business owners I know, it isn't about the money. I mean, they, they have to there's, they have to be a good steward of the money, and, and, and if they're borrowing money, it's the bank's money, and they gotta take care of it, but use it to, to grow their business. And I, and I think people understand that, that at that point where you're, you're fine, you've, you have your needs met, your family's needs are met, then it becomes, how do you take care of your employees? How do you take care of your vendors? How do you take care of your customers? Really, as you know almost a primary. And uh, how do you take how do you take care of your business to make sure it, it survives? It, it almost becomes an it, it's an entity. It's not a person, but it, it's something you got to watch after and you got to take care of it.
1: What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Abundant Journey podcast. Super glad you can join us today. I'm the host, Nick James, along with my co-host, Nick Offenkamp. Nick, how are you? I'm
2: doing fantastic. I love getting to sit down with you. love getting to sit down with our amazing guests and cannot wait to dive into another story today.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're super excited that uh, those of you listening will be joining us today. We have a special treat. We have Jeff Ricalla from Hardwood Industries joining us today. He has been a business owner and an entrepreneur and investor for years and years and he is also at the point where he's brought his sons into the business to allow them to be a part and and they are uh, slowly taking the reins. So excited to sit down, hear his story, his journey. Jeff, how are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Thank you for being on. Well, Jeff, let's jump right in. You know, you and I have spent some time together, uh, me as a banker, you as a business owner, and I've absolutely loved getting to hear your story, getting to know uh, a little bit about the past. But but the audience doesn't know you, so bring us back. Tell us, you know, early life, early career. What what got you started?
0: Well, you know, I had uh, uh, out, of, out of school, I was a math physics major, and I had an engineering job. And uh, <clears throat> you know, it was uh, it, it was interesting. You know, a lot of great people that I worked with, and uh, it was it was. A couple things happened. One is there was a lot of complaining going on, and I, you know, that doesn't do much good in in life. You pretty much waste time on that. And and uh, the second thing was is that uh, uh, I I was discouraged from working hard by my coworkers, and and that Mm. didn't work for me. So, you know, I started looking around really pretty early uh, after I got my first job, and and uh, had an opportunity to, uh, uh, well. I need to learn to sell, so I took a sales job. I quit my engineering job, took a sales job, and uh, uh, you know, I was that was tough for an engineer to go into sales. And uh, <laughs> the first, the first few few days and months, I crawled out of the office on my belly. It was pretty <laughs> tough, but uh, you know, that was key key uh, tool I needed in my toolbox, and it worked. And hmm. you know, uh, sold uh, our house and a, and a rental house we had, and. Got some cash, and a line of credit, and and we started.
1: Wow,
2: that's awesome. What what uh, what were you selling when you made the shift from engineering? You know, to- I
0: I uh, went from engineering, and I went into selling lumber. Okay, and so that's that's how I I uh, ended up in the, the lumber distribution. The lumber business. industry. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Now, did you um, in thinking about that? So you went, you were in school engineering you said, I needed to make the shift and learn sales. Did somebody tell you that? Did you, were you reading books? Or I mean, what, what kind of motivated this desire? Because like you said, most people probably in your position, like they would never want to go into sales. So what inspired that?
0: Well, in the business that I was working with, uh, the company I was working for, I was looking around that business and I was looking at the things I didn't know. And, and uh, I also, observed the salespeople were doing pretty well financially, <laughs> sure. you know, so it just seemed obvious to me that I need to learn that skill. Hmm. And, uh, that's, uh, that was really what drove it. Uh, no one told me to, it just was obvious. I needed to learn to sell.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now are you, are you from the Northwest?
0: Yeah, I was born in Portland. Okay. Born yeah. in
1: Portland. And then at, now were your folks entrepreneurial or Were they, Oh no, my, my
0: dad was, uh, ran a, ran a truck shop mechanic. Diesel mechanic, and my mother was an RN, so they uh, they were hardworking people.
1: Okay. Yeah. And siblings, or just you? Yeah. No.
0: No. I have four sisters. Okay. Yeah. I'm in the in the middle. There's two older, two younger.
1: Okay. Got it. Now, are and, and is everybody still local, or?
0: Oh, they're they're around. There's a couple local. Uh, one has passed, and uh, and one lives in uh, in
1: Arizona. Okay. Got it. So when you shifted from, you know, the engineering side, then into sales, then started doing lumber. I mean. Were any of your sisters? I mean, were they thinking they wanted to do entrepreneurial things, or no, no, okay. that
0: wasn't uh, that wasn't their week. You know, I sure. just uh, I don't know. You know what what drives that to happen, uh, but uh, that's not wasn't wasn't my family in general.
1: No.
2: Okay. So as you started getting into to sales and into the lumber industry, I mean, did you fall in love with the industry? Did you see opportunity? How did you, you kind of latch on? Or uh,
0: well, not. Um, I really didn't see that much of an opportunity but it was, but it presented an opportunity and uh, my my wife's uncle uh was involved in the uh in the lumber industry that's where I got my you know in the doorway so to speak yeah. and uh you know I learned a ton from him and we started together in in the business and um, uh he bowed out and uh you know I kept going but um yeah it, you know it it didn't really matter to me what I was going to do as much as it was that I could control my own destiny.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love just uh, circling back to what you'd said about kind of one of your your first jobs and when you were doing engineering. Um, The culture that you're in has such a shaping effect, right? So if there's a lot of negativity, a lot of cynicism, complaining, and if you also start to feel like you're hitting the ceiling, I think a lot of people feel that. Not everybody is quite as motivated as you were to actually make the jump and, and make the the change. But how long were you in your your sales role? And then maybe kind of start to tell us a bit about the, the founding of, of your company.
0: Well, um, I, I had the engineering job for two years. And uh, pretty much after, you know, 8, 10 months, you know, that was kind of hit me that, you know, I was gonna work hard, so I might as well work for myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, so that had happened, and then you know, the sales job was another two, two and a half years or so that I was involved in that. And, and during that time, we were putting together the details of starting a business. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, uh, it, it, just, it, it was just a timely opportunity. And, and I don't know, it, it, didn't matter. it didn't matter what I was doing, it just more mattered that I was able to, to work for myself.
1: And what what fueled that desire? Because I think a lot of times, you know, we talk a lot of times on the podcast with guests about there's that fear factor that really stops people from ever breaking into entrepreneurship or business ownership themselves. So what was that motivation for you that you wanted wanted to be in charge? I mean, was it just to be able to control your time, control? uh, You tell me.
0: I think it's just mostly, you know, your makeup. You know, you look at Entrepreneurs, and there, you know, there's a two or three percent of us that are that have that natural, uh, you know, desire. And uh, you know, I, I think to, I, you know, when you talk about those people that, you know, think about it and want to do it, I, there's there's really two characteristics that I think that are are critical to be able to take that step step uh, out and uh, start your own business. And, and the first one is you you have to have an affinity for risk. you you, you have to. It's got You got to be able to work through it. It, it, it ha- can't be an issue for you. If it is, you're probably never going to take that step. Mm-hmm. You know. So you you got to got to realize there's risk involved. And and really, as starting a business, everything's on the line every day. And really, today, to some extent, for me too, it's still on the line. I mm-hmm. still we still got to perform right. Yeah. And and then, that the, you've got to figure out how to get capital. You know, uh, most businesses fail because of a lack of capital. And so. You know, we sold a house and a rental house and got a line of credit, and that's what started. And, you know, um, it it worked. Yeah.
1: Now, so two and a half years into the sales job and then shifting. Now, um, at that point, then you opened the doors for hardwood? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. And to start with, it was just me. You know, I I, I, uh, took orders. I pulled orders. I unloaded the. I did everything. And you know? what
1: yeah and so you know, well tell us a little bit about what the company does today and then maybe share how it's evolved over the years from when you were doing it all yourself.
0: Well, today we are distributors of of uh, hardwood lumber and related products and services and uh, we have a, you know, a mill we you know, we'll take the lumber we bring in and we'll do many different things to it, uh, rip it, mold it, sand it, glue it, shape it, CNC it, you know, those all those kind of things for our customers. And uh, the business, you know, those services are all something that we do better than mo- many of our customers can do. So uh, not only do they need lumber, but they need the services done or can get the services done, and they can get more done, uh, more jobs done. And, and that's kind of, you know, what's driven uh, our business all these years is being able to provide a better product that makes it easier for our customers to, to succeed. So uh, when we started, all we did was was had lumber. We just had lumber, and in that process, you listen to what your customers are telling you, what what can make it better for them, and they everybody wants better lumber, and everybody in those early days there wasn't a lot of services being offered by by distribution, but they was offered by eventually. Uh, our customers would do those things and uh you know some of them could do it better than others and and the customers that came to us wanted lumber to be surfaced better than what the industry was putting out there or what you could get done and so you know we put it in an abrasive planer and uh that was our first piece of equipment and you know people love getting lumber that was surfaced well mm-hmm. and that 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 you know grew into many other pieces of equipment and uh course with those equipment that equipment comes employees and and all all of that and you know sales growth it happened and and you know how do you create sales growth well you got to provide a product that's better than than most people in the market and and you'll grow
1: hmm.
2: yeah that's i mean there's a handful of things um that you've said in there one it just amazing to start as a, a solo uh, operation but um coming back to the uh affinity for risk and that other principle of you've got to be able to figure out how to get capital as being kind of the two hallmarks of what's going to make a successful entrepreneur. Um, I mean, I love that you put everything on the line as far as selling your your place, the rental, um, in order to, to start your company. Um, do you think that that tolerance for risk and ability to do that is simply just something that you're born with that's innate? Is that something that uh, you had to cultivate. Do you feel like you felt the same amount of fear that most people would in making a big move like that? Well, my wife
0: cried. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I told her I was going to leave my job and we we're going to start a business, you know, in the future, you know, she just cried. She loved me getting home at four thirty or five o'clock. Yeah, you know? right. But, yeah. but um, you know, it it it's kind of within you. Know, I think um, yeah. you know the. You know, stress. I mean, it creates stress in your life, right? Sure. You're you're adding pressure to your life, and so can you handle that? And I don't think stress is necessarily a good thing, but I think people um, can handle it. You know, p- people handle it differently, and I and I think you have to learn to handle stress in business. It happens. Something's going to happen today mm-hmm. that isn't normal. It's out of the ordinary, and you got to handle it. And yeah. and that happens in business every day. And certainly when you start, it's tougher than you know a more mature business for sure.
2: Yeah. And then that raising capital piece, I mean, that's uh, very uncomfortable for a lot of people, especially at first trying to figure out where they're going to get the, the sort of capital that they need to, to grow a business. It sounds like you were able to gain a lot of that through the sale of assets like your, your home and coming up with personal capital. But uh, what did it look like when you were first having to raise some funds or capital to grow your, your business or get started?
0: Well, you know, you look at my education, you know, math and physics, and you think to yourself, wow, you're not even using that, right? I mean, I'm in the lumber <laughs> business. And I'm a math physics sure. major, right? But physics is about putting on paper what happens in the world around you. Mm-hmm. And our business plan, our model that we made, was a key factor on getting funds from the bank. I, you you have got to – a bank's going to want to see – a you know, year or two projections, even though you're starting out and you have no idea. Mm-hmm. So you've got to put something down there, and you want it to be realistic, you know, realistic growth, realistic margin, realistic expenses, and, and you have to be able to, you know, kind of prove to your bank. So many businesses would start without a bank, I'm sure, but then they're going to have a track record and be able to develop a financial plan that shows what's going to happen. And, you know, that was just easy for me to put a, a business plan together, a financial plan you know spreadsheet that showed what if we sold this and we could hold this margin and this is what we're going to spend this was our net result and honestly that I would I would say that was one of the key factors for us in getting financing because we created a plan and we exceeded it yeah. you know so you do that for a couple years and all of a sudden the bank says wow this guy's these guys are are uh, able to put make a plan and make it happen and so that was probably uh, honestly we did a for 27 straight years, we hit our financial plan or exceeded it in a row. Wow, was <laughs> <That's> unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but 100%. but and and again, a lot of companies, you know, they don't think they need to do that. But, you know, that was that was critical for us. Yeah, you know, and really, you know, when 2008 came, and we, so 27 years from '81 to, to 7 we're hitting the numbers right, and then 08 happens, mm-hmm. and we don't hit the numbers. Mm-hmm. And you know, we. Again, just use that plan. In 2010, we put a plan together. It was a huge plan. We cut, we, we budgeted to cut 900 thousand out of our operating expenses. Wow. 42 employees let go. That was terrible. Yeah. But it worked, and we actually cut 880. And you know, we uh, we survived.
2: Yeah, yeah. Whereas many, many did not. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. The, the two biggest, our two biggest competitors on the West Coast. One was a competitor. One was this. Uh, you know, fellow business, you know, that we knew, they, they didn't make it. And they were big, you know, 500 million a year, one of them.
1: Wow. You know. Well, and I think that speaks to the point where, like you're saying, you, you got to put it on the line every day cause you never really arrive. And I think that there's this mindset, maybe even with our generation of, you know, I will arrive when X happens, but here you were 27 years, mm-hmm. year over year growth, year over year success. And then something like an 08 happens and you're faced with, oh, I mean, it can just change on a dime, right? And so the commitment to continue to grind, the continued commitment to get better and and improve, I mean, it just doesn't end.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, and I think that's that's the key to survival moving forward for us is continuous improvement. And you know, we we have a guy that's all he does. He just looks at places in our business that we can improve. Mm. We call him a continuous improvement man- manager, and. And you know the the, the low hanging fruit's all taken. You know, so sure. you're 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 looking for nuggets. You know, you're looking yeah. for smaller pieces, but you find them all the time, and uh, it's it's amazing. You know, putting in one conveyor between one piece of equipment and another, you know, might mean two panels per hour more, but when you look at two panels per hour more, that's sixteen a day. That's you know added up. You know, it's a lot more in a month, and it makes a huge difference. And and you have to. You know, you got to keep working to get better. Your competition is not; they're they're, they're working hard too. You know, right? Yeah, they're, they're going to get better too.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, and keeping that larger perspective of how all of those little tweaks can add up to significant um, efficiencies within your business over the course of months, years. Um, so that's oh,
0: it's 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 I, you know, OMap Oregon Manufacturing Extension Partnership was a huge played a huge part for us in. Changing our culture, to for our your, you, you, it took a, it took us a long time w- once we started working on it. We actually started in 08 out of necessity, right? Sure. And uh, uh, but it took us six or seven years to get our employees in the state of mind that they could present something to their boss. Uphill, you know, y- y- you don't want to tell your boss, you know, we should be doing this. You know, <laughs> but but you got to create that environment. Yeah. Right. And and you know just a few. Just a location or an angle of a piece of equipment makes their job easier. It makes it makes their you know, the ability to keep the pace of what you're trying to accomplish, you know, at that level. And and, and it makes it easier for them. And and so results improve.
2: Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that you mentioned that was so key, especially to your early growth um, and success was listening to your customer and really hearing what it was that was missing from the market or that they needed and then you finding a way to fulfill that need do you still have mechanisms in place where you're getting regular feedback from customers and
0: yeah our, our salespeople uh, certainly are are out there um, you know and, and my you my, my sons you know certainly understand you, you know, what, in, what it takes to be innovative, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we 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 put a large you know sorting system in. You know, it wasn't my idea; it was my son's idea, and uh, I I think we can do this. I think it'll it'll help us to be more productive and give us a better product. And you know, and again, they're salespeople, so they they're looking they're thinking that way, and that's yeah. part of you know you, you want to get your sales team in the frame of mind of is there something we can do out there for our customer that's going to make a difference for them. And if we can do that, they'll give us the business, right? And uh, we've partnered with many customers in, in special ways. I mean, we've, we've had some customers pay for half of a machine wow. that we end up owing, so they have first priority of it. And, yeah. and you know, it's, uh, it's a tremendous partnership when something like that happens. And, you know, you, it's not about getting the business. It's about, you know, performing for them. Right. And, uh, you know, you want to be, you know, 100% on time and 100% quality you know that's the goal right mm-hmm.
1: that's awesome what you know in thinking back as you were getting started and it was just you what were some initial barriers you feel like you had to overcome and I know we've talked about hurdles like the 08 and different things and, and constant commitment to improving but what were some initial barriers that were difficult for you in those early years well when you're when
0: you're starting you, you really don't comprehend the reality of what a business is hmm. you know i I've told you this before, Nick yeah you know when you when you start a business, it's all about survival. all you want to do is keep making it you know I have work, I can pay my bills and <laughs> and i can I, I can cover my own needs, and then it becomes about your family, okay I want to be able to take care of my family but the the thing that I think most people don't understand and i don't and I know society does it in general, but once you reach that level where you've taken, you're, you're pretty sure you're gonna survive and you're, and you're taking care of your family, it doesn't become about the money, it becomes about everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and I just don't think society understands. I mean, it, the business owners I know, it isn 't about the money I mean they, they have to mm-hmm. there's, they have to be a good steward of the money and and, and if they 're borrowing money it 's the bank 's money and they 've got to take care of it and yeah. but it, use it to, to grow their business and I, and I think people understand that that at that point where you 're you're fine you've, you have your needs met, your family 's needs are met then it becomes how do you take care of your employees, how do you take care of your vendors, how do you take care of your customers really as you know almost a primary. And uh, how do you take how do you take care of your business to make sure it, it survives? It, it almost becomes an it, it's an entity. It's not a person, but it, it's something you got to watch after and you got to take care of it. And, and I just don't think I don't think general society understands that it isn't about the money. It's about everybody else once it's once you're up and running. Yeah,
1: I love that. And I uh, you know we've had many conversations around that. It, it's interesting too, like you said. I mean, there there was that shift for you. It sounds like where early was, I want to be the boss. I want to work for myself. I want to grow something. But then that realization over time that, and, and you model that with your with your company. I mean, I, I know because we've spent time together of how do I help these employees? How do we provide for their families? And how do we give them an environment where they're able to do the things, dreams, and goals that they have? And so, that's that's just such an interesting perspective. Why do you think a lot of businesses don't operate, or maybe people don't realize that?
0: I, I don't know. I I yeah. I, uh, I, I don't have that answer. To me, it was just it seemed right. You know, all these people have helped you, and and when you think about it, you know they they basically give you the best part of their life, right? Mm-hmm. Quality hours all day mm-hmm. from. Say it's eight to five or seven is four thirty, whatever. Yeah, they're giving you the best part of their lives, and you know what do they, what do they get from that? You know, I've got i I've, I've got a, a fellow that's worked for me for almost forty years, almost wow, the wow. same amount of time. Now, it's the only job he's ever had. Wow. And you know I I feel that my, I need to make sure his family's fine. Mm-hmm. You know I I just you know I don't know you know that's just within me, as opposed to you know it, again it's not about the money but but you've got to make money but on the other hand you know you need to take care of your people so they take they'll take care of your business and your customers and and uh and everybody's uh moving in the right direction
2: Mm. yeah yeah i love that um perspective and it has been you know fortunately really common of founders and ceos that we've had the opportunity to to sit down with but i think that you're right that there's a a general lack of that awareness in the, the public. Um, and so I do hope that uh, as, as people hear that and see that, and I do hope that there's more stories that come out for uh, CEOs, founders like yourself, where it's, uh, it's not, it's not ultimately about the money. Um, but that by what you've created in your business here, you've been able to provide so much value to the world, certainly to your customers, uh, but then also to all of the folks that you employ, and then all of the other industries around your business that are supported by you having to order um, supplies and, and whatnot from from others. So, I, I wanted to ask though, uh, you've talked about your sons and how um, they're uh, in the business, and that's a big time dream for both Nick and I. It's one of the the main reasons that we've um, been going down this entrepreneurial path ourselves is because of what we want to be able to leave behind for our kids and not just real estate or not just a, a sum of money in a bank account but actually having an asset like a business that we own that should our kids want to be part of it, we, we have something to, to bring them up into and that they can, can eventually you know, carry on the, the torch. How has that been in as much as you're willing to share and and talk about um, with your own family? Was that part of the vision of uh, starting a a company? And and how has it um, been as a, a founder, entrepreneur, business owner, and bringing up your boys in that?
0: Well, I remember when my youngest went to college and my wife and I were sitting, you know, we're empty nesters, right? They're, they're, you know, three kids, they're all gone. They've all gone to school and, and uh, are, are moving in the right direction out there. And, you know, I, I, we asked a specific question, what are we going to do with this business? And, you know, we pondered on it for a bit. But, you know, in the end, you, well, if our family's interested, that would be great, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, mm. that, that's almost like an instinct that, yeah. that that comes into play. And so, but you don't know. If they're going to want to be involved or not, and and more importantly, do they have the energy, ability, and desire to do it? Yeah. Because it's it's a commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it, mm-hmm. it's a, it's more than a job commitment for a job. Then yeah, I tell people all the time that good jobs worth a lot. <laughs> you know, they say, "Oh, you've been so successful." I said, "Well, a good jobs worth a lot." Guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, so you don't know that and. You know, so I, I you know, the, door, the doors always open, right? And, and uh, first one of them came, came in, and uh, then this, and within a short period later, the second one came in and, and uh, you know, they both they both had, I, I put them in sales. Yeah. I feel like it was a key yeah. uh, key function for our business. I, and that's an interesting thing, you know, I, I just a tangent here, but sales versus management, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you, if you can sell, you know, you can, you can survive. Oh, yeah. Now, you, I think you can learn to manage, and I think you can learn to sell. But if I had to – I think it's more important to learn to sell because then you're, you're selling – really, you're, you're representing yourself to bankers and customers and vendors, and you, basically you're selling yourself, right, all the time. So mm-hmm. it's a key skill, and I think it's the most important skill for someone who's looking to – to be involved in a business to learn is to learn how to sell and then you need to learn how to manage um, you know because that you know the more people involved the more management that needs to happen but um, so but I didn't know whether they would still have the ability energy and desire to do it and uh, you know as time went on it's obvious that they 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 learned how to sell and uh, you know I, I took them a little longer to, to uh, understand the value of employees and how important they are. And, and, you know, every employee wants to be, you know, treated with respect and, and be a value. They want to be a contributor. And, uh, and you got to honor that. And, and you're, you're not going to have all the employees, you know. You're not, you can't hire all the employees. It's not possible. There's yep. not a business out there that has all the employees. Yep. So you're going to have to learn how to, to work with people that aren't as gifted, or aren't as talented or don't have the work ethic. There's a lot of variations out there, and uh, you know, so you know, we tried to cultivate to cultivate that with them, and you know, we spent we've spent quite a bit of time training, and uh, you know, working with uh, you know, I hired a transition consultant here to work with me, and you know, I'm tapering out, and they're they're you know going up, but you know, the problem is that we have at the moment is they they want to keep selling, but. All these things in the management that have to happen, you know, they've got to figure it out. You know, do, yeah. we, do they, does one of them become a general manager and one of them keep selling? Or do both of them keep selling and we hire a general manager? All those <laughs> things, you know, need to apply. But, you know, those decisions now, you know, for me, are, need to be their decisions. And, you know, I, I'm going to give them my two cents. But, uh, you know, in the end, they're going to make the final call.
2: Yeah. Is that an exciting I think for you just in terms of the where you're kind of at in this stage of the business and the transition plans, I mean,
0: you know, you're you're not going to live forever. Right. So, and, and the truth is, is, you know, this, this is our 42nd year and, and, you know, my wife is, has got the short of the stick for 42 years. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. You know, and uh, we don't get me wrong. We've done a lot of good things and, 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 but, uh, you know, it's just time that we, we, you know, change our focus a bit and, and sure. do more things that are in her interest. And yeah, and, uh, but yeah, it, it is—it's a little scary. But on the other hand, it's—you it's, know—the last couple of years have showed huge improvement from from my son. So, you know, I, I'm—I have no doubt that they can—they can carry on
2: for the next generation. Yeah, that's amazing. Well done And that. I
1: mean, I love that too because a lot of times when we're talking with folks, you know, and have had had guests on the podcast they've been very uh they're in the growing stage right and not I mean obviously there's the growing goals of hardwood and, and everything you guys are doing but you're just in a different stage so you're able to do a little I think a little bit more reflection a little bit more succession planning and we don't get to hear about that as as much so in, in curious in over the years in the growth I mean you've talked about some skills that have been essential between sales management what are some other skills do you feel like maybe that are less maybe overlooked that 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 really are required to grow a business you know I think about the fact that you guys have multiple locations at this point right and so what are some of the other skills that you've had to learn along the way
0: well um, you know if you're going to grow a business your people are going to be the key building block and the leadership of you know different locations or work cells or whatever really really matter and uh, you know that just doesn't happen by osmosis you know you, you like to like to think you can watch what's going on and people will learn and just do it but it doesn't work that way you have to spend time training and uh that that is uh you know easier said than done because Anytime you do training, you're taken away from running your business, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. So you're you're going for a long-term gain, you, you know. On it, with in the short term, it's hurting you a little bit, but um, you know, I I would say the the training aspect is 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 more important than most of us know, and, and you kind of get there over time, um, you know. So that's 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 a big deal. I, you, you know, uh, and I think one of the keys to to having training and, and getting better people and managers and, and being able to pay them what they need to earn and what they should be earning uh, is to build that financial worth. And you know, I I would tell any business owner that if you can you can buy the real estate you're operating out of, you should, mm. because it's such an ace in the hole for tough times and mm-hmm. it allows you to, you know, like in our case, you know, we, we own these two buildings that we're in here and. We, can, we control the rent, and, you know, we control the rent so that we're able to do more for our people. You know, so we're, we're probably 20% of the market for rent, but that 20% is going into investing into our people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you can't do that if you're renting from, you know, the, at the market rate. You yeah. know, that's, then you're going to have to earn it above and beyond. And the truth is customers don't want to pay any more. You know, everybody wants to buy, buy for less, right, yep. and get it done for less. So, you, you know, that value equation you know, it gets harder and harder the more dollars you have to put into your management training and, and the quality of people you have. And uh, you know, it's it's just nice to have that the backup of from the real estate and and real estate I'm sure in your podcast it, it appreciates over time and it's it's been a fantastic uh benefit for us and it's 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 many aces in the hole for us at this point in our in our history. So
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know that. Um, I mean, one of the things that Nick was really impressed, and he just told me in general, but it's just the the way that um, you have uh, been very careful in terms of taking on any debt with your business, and that that served you. We've talked about the 08 uh, timeline, what you're talking about with um, real estate, and so um, any advice that you have to to young entrepreneurs in terms of um, whether just taking on debt or just kind of a, any financial principles that you feel, in addition to the real estate, have kept you afloat?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, we'll talk about bankers a little bit because <laughs> you're a banker, Nick. <laughs> yes, I've got do this. <laughs> but, but I really didn't understand banking until '08. I didn't understand that. Bankers are glad to lend you money as long as, as you, they know you can pay them pay back and as long as you make these ratios on the covenants that they have when you borrow. And when you're not there, when you, in a da- bad time like '08, and you couldn't get there, you know, bankers do things to protect their assets. And the number one thing they care about is your ability to pay them back. Mm-hmm. Nothing else matters, okay? So we had, uh, I'll tell you, we had $2.8 million of term debt at the end of 2008, and it almost sank us, it almost killed us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so we went on, you know, if something bad happens to you, 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 you make the resolution, I'm not gonna do that again. Mm-hmm. And so we resolved that we were gonna pay off all our term debt, and on July 5th, of 2019, we went to zero. Nice. And, uh you know, we're gonna, we're gonna be there. But, you, you know, the consequence of, of, of not borrowing money or, or is the tax implication of that. You know, mm, so that's, sure. a, yep. that's an expense you get to write off, right? And so you don't have that write off, but it helps your profitability. I, I, I think most, many business owners I talk to go into debt and, and buy equipment because of the tax implication of that you know you've got the ability to write off 100% of the asset you buy so that protects your your cash yep and it's it's a good thing but when by creating that debt you put yourself at risk in a in a environment or a market that you there's out of your control and you just have to react to it Mm -hmm. so if you can keep that from ever happening that's never a factor for you and when you look at the companies that survived 08, those were the ones that had little or less debt so To me that's critical and so we've we've gone to improving our equipment keeping it current by using operating leases Mm -hmm. now most banks don't like leases but so what (laughs) you also are not going to have a debt ratio that you have to worry about Mm -hmm. and that you're just going to sleep better at night but you're not going to have the tax benefit the benefit goes to the guy that's carrying the paper on the operating lease right yeah Mm -hmm. so uh so I would advise don't worry about your taxes so much. Just pay them and, and think about in a tough market, in a, in a tough time, what is going to sink me? And debt is the biggest noose you can put on your, ne- your neck in, uh, in a tough market.
2: I really appreciate that because I think that um, so much of the noise out there is you know be as tax-advantaged and as tax-efficient as you possibly can, and that's all fine and great until – uh, global financial crash or something happens and then it's like, well, who really cares how much you saved on taxes when your business is broke? Right. And um, so that's a really good word and I, uh, something that I'll take to heart and I hope that our listeners uh, really uh, highlight in their own minds as well as they're thinking about um, what kind of debt to take on in, in the growth of their business.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Even though I'm a banker, I'm saying that I agree. <laughs> yeah, no. I Got I, him. I, yeah, that's right. You, you got me in a corner here. So yeah, that's I, right. I think that's a, that's a good word. And, you know, again, even I think a key that you said in all of that was just even understanding. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the principles that you've continued to share is, there's just so much ignorance out there and you've shared the ways you were ignorant you've shared the ways you've seen other business owners be ignorant entrepreneurs and so this dedication and this commitment to growing and learning and getting better and actually understanding what you're doing Uh, you know what business are you really in well how do you really take care of your people and so I I think there's a lot like you said Nick there's a lot of noise out there but, you know, and I've seen it time and time again, e- even, even as you were talking about having a business plan and a game plan on what your business was, was going to look like, you don't know how many calls that I got when I was working with small business owners or folks who were looking to be entrepreneurs, and they had an idea in their head, and that was it. They didn't have any money, they just had a recipe from grandma, and they were going to start a food truck business, and they knew nothing about business, and so... And that's not to discourage anybody, and and none of us are saying that. But I think at the end of the day, it comes down to educating yourself and truly learning what you're doing and focusing on that. So I think that's a good word. Well, clearly, uh, you know, we've talked 08. We've talked about the debt piece that was there. uh, But thinking through over the the 40 years, what maybe – are there any other lessons that come to mind in terms of – Failures. You know, everybody always talks about failing forward, learning from your mistakes, uh, but we don't oftentimes like to talk about them. Are there any other failures that just comes to mind and lessons you learned in those?
0: Well, uh, you know, as a, as a parent, when you raise your kids, you, most people learn from their mistakes. I mean, when you think about school, you take a test and you find out what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And so then you learn what you don't know. And in business, you know, you want to make mistakes. You just don't want to make a, f- a fatal mistake. You're, you're going to make mistakes, and and you want to, you know. OMAP teaches: fail cheap, fail often, you know, yeah. and then keep learning. And, and when you think about, you know, the, the great historians alive, you know, you know, Benjamin Franklin. How long did it take for him to get make the first light bulb? You know, yeah. I mean, how many times did he fail? You know, Abraham Lincoln. How many times did he run for office where he where he won? You know, so you you've got you got to you're going to fail. And I, I tell people I could have. Dozens of degrees from Harvard on my failures <laughs> in 40 years. I've made so many mistakes. But uh, a mistake is education if you learn from it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I really, you know, uh, one of the probably key things I learned, you know, in, in 1930, I was, uh, I was in business, and I was 32 years old. And I was getting some insurance from my banker. Uh, <laughs> And the guy comes in and, and gives me a, a uh, you know, takes my blood pressure, and he starts packing up. And he goes, what goes, what's, what's going on? He says, you'll never pass. And, and I had been working so hard and drinking so much coffee and no time off that I had put myself, here I am, 32 years old. I'm relatively healthy. But I wouldn't pass an insurance physical. Hmm. And so that was a, a two-by-four in the head or getting hit in the yeah. head of the baseball you know, a moment for me. And so I, uh, I spent quite a bit of time on, on what needed to happen so I wouldn't be in that condition. Yeah. I wouldn't, you know, basically you, you, you're sacrificing yourself for this business and your family, and, and you're doing it for your family, you know, to a large degree. So, sure. um, you know, being honest with yourself Is is something I just can't emphasize enough. I, one of the the uh, management programs I went to, they they had you list all your strengths and all your weaknesses, and they and they obviously with other CEOs from other businesses, and they put them up on the wall, and you're looking at those strengths. Well, that could be me. That could be me. That could be me. But then you look at the weaknesses, and you go, that no no that that can't be me. And and the reality is is you know we all have strengths and weaknesses but being honest about what we're good good at and what we're not as good at, and then you know the things you're not so good at you got to learn or hire people that can do it better than you and sure. and so that was probably you know that certainly was a turning point for me I mean I didn't want to kill myself by working too hard on this business you know so um, that was a, a a key thing and and it's it's hard to be honest with yourself you know to look at yourself in the mirror and and realize that you know that's that's probably not what i should be doing or that's not the way to do it so um yeah i i, I would say that's you know that was a big failure i mean i'd physically worked myself to unhealthiness yeah and and uh that certainly isn't the goal and and uh, so that was an eye-opening one. And it and it really, you know, changed my whole, I went from a dictatorship, more or less, business owner to, you know, management by committee. And really that's been extremely successful. I, You know, in those first 12 years, I made a lot of mistakes just, you know, you know, if you think about, you know, how many good decisions you make and how many bad decisions you make, you know, if you make eight good ones, two bad ones, you know, but two bad ones is a lot in business, right? And I would say, you know, with our management group, you know, we might make one or two bad decisions out of a hundred, you know, and I was probably hitting 80%, which is pretty good, you know, but it wasn't good enough. And, and it put me in that stress mode where I was unhealthy. And so by using this, the strength of your team, you know, really eliminated a ton of mistakes and moved us forward, you know, much faster than I could have done on my own. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome to be able to surround yourself with people that, um, that both round out uh, the areas that, that you're weak that help eliminate some of the blind spots, hopefully people that you really enjoy working with and able to cultivate trust with over the years. But, yeah, to, I mean, that's that's a huge uh, performance increase to even go from uh, 80% on uh, making the right decisions to 98% or so um, and to, to alleviate some of the stress and workload things on your yeah. plate. Uh, uh, that's a win all the way around. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, we're getting toward the end and we'll do our gold nugget questions here in a couple minutes, but 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 I just uh there's a couple couple questions I want to throw at you. You know, one of the questions we have and we often ask is what's motivated you to not settle in life but keep going? And I do think back through the conversation, you know, you mentioned there's a there's a shift of realizing, you know, I need I'm chasing money. I'm getting I'm trying to build to stewarding and and recognizing that and so i think to some degree you've you've already answered that question but but curious you know maybe if you could go a little bit deeper with that just in terms of you know i mean you've i know roughly some of the numbers of the business and the financial side because as a banker but you know in in thinking on you know a lot of guys i think get to your point where they go into coast mode, they go into just relax, they go into hands off the business. I just want a vacation. I've worked really hard. But you continue to show up and you continue to, you know, press upon your sons and in the lessons and you're taking calls with bankers and meeting meeting for meeting with folks. And so, what for you, I mean, what keeps you going and and what's really behind that um, to not settle?
0: Well, you know, I it would come back to you know, my core beliefs more than anything else. You know, I'm a Christian man. You know, I love the Lord yep. and uh, feel called to service mm. of that. And, you know, I, I always remember the scripture, you know, it's you can't get a camel through the eye of a needle, right? Yep. And, and that's, I mean, we were thinking about the needle, but they're thinking about the, you know, it's the, the entry into a uh, an area, you know, with a camel. But uh, I just, uh, you know, uh I feel so blessed, you know, that all this has happened and that we have, you know, 120 families that are under our our support, more or less. And, and uh, you know, so I, you know, I still feel called to do that yeah. every day. And so that's, that's probably the biggest, mm-hmm. uh, biggest thing for me and, and uh, uh, you know, to continue to serve the Lord in, in, yep. in my work. And uh, so I, that's just, uh, uh, you know, some of you might have trouble out there understanding that but that's 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 a motivator for me
1: that's awesome that's huge i love that and i again that's why we get along right and uh i mean among other reasons but you know that that's it's so different than what the world continues to scream at you every day you know the world continues to push you know get as and we say this so often an abundant journey get as big a piece of the pie as you can but in recognizing you know we're we're here to steward i mean you've you've used the word steward serve give back and that truly I think ultimately leads to a more fulfilled and joyful life as well, Um, you know, instead of just just chasing chasing the the numbers. So in that same vein, I mean, you've you've given so many different lessons uh, and so many different pieces of advice. What are what are some of the things that you're instilling or maybe the most important lessons you want your sons to take away as they look to grab the reins of the business. And I, I think it's just as very applicable to our guests as well, looking to start out. I mean, your, your sons are obviously – there's a system in place that they're learning and they're taking over, but, you know – a lot of business has changed over the last 40 years. You know, customers have changed. Needs have changed. technology's changed. Speed has changed. So what lessons or what are the maybe maybe one or two of the most important things that you want your sons as they take the reins? What do you want them to know?
0: Well, uh, and this is something, you know, we we try to teach our employees, too. But and I think it's a it's, it's a it's a critical. It's, it's it's just a it's a law of life. It's a lesson of life. But uh, this this one saying worry about what you give instead of what you get and you'll get enough and so every time you give something to someone you feel good that's a good thing and they feel good so uh, if you think about your job are you giving enough to your employer if you do that employer will take care of you. And if he doesn't, you should leave or she, you know, she doesn't, you should leave, you know? So you if you give enough, you're going to get noticed and yeah. the opportunities will come your way and you will be blessed for that. So it's not what you get. That you should be worried about it. should be what you give. If, if you're giving enough of your work, you're going to, you're going to be taken care of. Hmm. I mean, how, how do you get to the top 10% of, of employees? Well, those guys gave a lot, hmm. you know, caused a lot of good results. Uh, and, if you if you can keep that focus on what you give, I, I you just you'll just find more success
2: in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I mean right that totally resonates with the heart of abundant journey and what we're uh, building and in, in, in this podcast and, and community as far as just that that very mindset of yes, um, be somebody who is driven by a radical generosity and if the whole world has that approach of just that I'm going to give and give and give and I'm just going to try and out give the person next to me and if that's their mentality as well it's all going to come right back around in ways that you know, far exceed what you could have ever just tried to grab uh, for yourself and um, so I, I trust that you've seen the, the results of that philosophy taking hold in your uh, business and life yeah i mean you know it it, it drives customers to you mm-hmm. you know
0: i mean it, it 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 drives employees to you i mean people stay when there's a culture that you know is concerned about them you know right you know what we give to our employees here is important you know right. and and we need them to give to us you know so mm-hmm. and and we've got to give a great product to our customers and to the marketplace and we need to be you know good good stewards of what we've been given and and uh you know, take it to the community and take it to our homes and our families. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, 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 you know, goodness creates goodness.
1: You know, (laughs) what do you say? Yes. That's right. No, that's great. Well, we're going to jump over to our gold nugget round. It's the same four questions we ask everybody we, we sit down with. So I'm going to have you pick one of these here, uh, but we talk about the five F's of abundant journey. So just pick one, tell us what you're doing to improve yourself uh, in this area of life. So we, we go family, finance, faith, fitness, and future. What's one you're focused on this year?
0: Well, I'm, you know, future is certainly a focus uh, for me, you know, at this point in my life, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I just, uh, so a year ago I listed every function that I'm doing here and I put down about how much time I'm putting into each of those functions. And there was, there was 10 of them. Hmm. And, um, I just went through them last Friday, and I'm doing 65% less. You know, I still am doing, but I definitely, some of them, one of them, 100% gone. It's gone. To, I gave it to my son, David. I, I paid the bills here for 42 years.
2: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave
0: it up. <laughs> and you're still here. I'm We're still, still here. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I have 100% trust that, you know, he's watched out after that like I did. And, and, uh, but, you know, other things, too, you know, and, and, uh, and that really requires me to... To train or empower someone else to do a lot of what I'm doing, and, mo- and a lot of it's going to my boys, obviously, but yeah. a lot of it's going to our management group, and and some some to some of the employees that, that I work you know more closely with uh, are taking those uh, those things up, and you know my my goal is is to be at 30 percent next next That's July true. 4th. I hope I'm at 30 percent, yeah. and, cool. and yeah. I, I I think uh, you know I'm gonna am I'm probably gonna settle around 20 percent. You know I won't have any daily stuff, but I, I I'd like to uh, you know kind of kind of still be involved on the the big concept things and and the finance stuff is is uh you know you you work for years to to build that confidence with your lenders and the the, the people that you trade with and yeah. so you know I'll, I'll be around enough that they they have some confidence in us you know but so that's uh you know that transition is is certainly you know paramount for me right now and and you know time with my wife you know i just uh again i she got the short end of the stick for so many years it just seems more than appropriate to yeah. to uh to jump off and say okay what, what do you what do you where do you want to go honey what do you want to do and and uh
1: she's she's been a trooper i tell you what that's she's exciting. been great yeah that's exciting no and i'm sure you guys have some fun stuff planned with that well next one what's a quote from a book or mentor that stuck with you on your journey you know,
0: I was, I, I was really fortunate in, in college. I, I, was, I was in athletics, and I played football. And I played for one of the greatest coaches uh, the country's ever seen. Hmm. And I'll just tell you his name. His name is Ad Rutschman. He uh, is the only coach in the United States to win national titles in two major sports. He won one in baseball and three in football. Well, wow. And you know I, I've had the chance to visit with him, and you know he's uh, he's 91, and he's still coaching the kick return team at, at Linfield <laughs> University. You know it's pretty great. But I and I had lunch with him in January this year, and I thought to myself, you know, uh, you know what 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 should I ask this guy? You, you know, here's a guy that's 25 years older than I am, and he's been through the next period of time, right? Yep. And uh, uh, I'm going to share that he he said two things. He says number one, he says if you if you don't have to quit what you love, don't. And see, he, he said it took him six years to get out of, to, to retire. And his solution was to go back and do a little bit. Wow. You know, so that was a great thing. And then he said, uh, spend the time with the people you love because you never know what's going to happen. Mm. And he lost his wife like six or seven years ago. And he's got a lot of grandkids and family. He's doing great. But, but uh, those, are, those are, were, were good things. And uh, uh, give me that question again
1: yeah yeah quote from Booker mentor okay.
0: yes and so uh, I had the chance to one of the, the time his son was coaching for McMinnville my son was playing for for Newberg and uh, he was pitching and I, and I he I, I said to him I said well, well what do you think about the pickoff mood at first and he says well I think it's something you need to work on and we talked a little bit and then he said he made a statement he says if something gives you a competitive advantage and it's within the rules you should do it. Hmm. And so when you think about business or life or whatever, if something gives you an advantage, helps you be better, helps you succeed, helps you cause a better result, why wouldn't you do it? And for some reason, you know, I, I, it just it was like a light bulb went on. Hmm. Wow. You know, it's, it seems so simple now. Yeah. But I, here I was, I was like in my – probably my 40s then. No, 30s, late 30s. And that comment came to me, and I just if, – if it gives you a competitive advantage – you should do it you should practice it yeah <laughs> yeah you know it seems simple but it's a it's a great uh, great simple line that makes sense to me
1: no that's yeah. so good absolutely and I uh yeah I mean their competitive advantage you know and and again just rather than settling and being like everybody else you know trying to uh trying to to play with your strengths I mean we were talking about that on the way over here so, mm-hmm. uh, next one: What's a dream or goal you've had that not been able to make happen yet? Well,
0: you know, <clears throat> this is—you may have read the books "Good to Great." If you've read that, book? I have, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're just not great enough. <laughs> 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 you know, you—I you, mean, we, we're certainly successful. Yeah, but we're you know our goal is to be the best distribution company in the world Hmm. i mean it seems audacious and it seems you know almost cocky to say that but i want to create the best distribution company in the world yeah and i haven't done it yet
1: yeah sure (laughs) sure but that's again that relentless pursuit of getting better every day and understanding you don't ever just arrive Mm-hmm. So I love that. That's so good. Last question. At the end of your life, what do you hope you'll be remembered for?
0: You know, it was funny. We, uh, at one of our sales meetings, I, I brought that topic up. I, you know, at the end of your life, you know, what, what do each of you, salespeople, what do each of you hope you're remembered for? You mm-hmm. know, I, I asked that question and they're all pondering it. And, uh, and you know, you, You'd like to think that something you had done would carry on and help other people. I mean that, you know, yeah. you, just, you just hope that it isn't about who you are or what you did, but that something carries on, that, yeah. that that you're continuing to make great people and great things happen in your absence. I mean that's that's kind of the goal, and, and uh, you know, d- to accomplish that you got to have an impact on the people around you and you know i'll go back to add he's he's made so many great people you know uh uh, leadership you know what's the guy that does the leadership thing uh five levels of leadership
1: oh um grisham no 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 tony robbins no uh Uh,
0: john John. Oh, uh, John, John, Max- John Maxwell. Maxwell. John Maxwell. That's we right. We got it together. That, yep. Yeah. The old mind isn't quite as sharp yeah. as it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. He's the only level five lever leader I've ever known. Hmm. You just wanted to perform for that guy. You were gonna. You were gonna do whatever it took to not let him down and to not let your team down, and that that type of leadership is. Is, uh, is very special, very rare. And there's, there's a lot of great leaders, but there's not that many level five leaders out there. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, you'd like to continue to, to work to build, to build level five leaders. Mm. You know, I want my sons to be level five leaders. I, I wouldn't say I'm a level five leader, but, uh, you know, when people will perform for you because they believe in you so much and they, they believe in your passion and what you're about. That, that they do what they need to do to cause a great result. And, uh, and, and it just spreads like wildfire. I mean, I can tell you this. You know, people ask why Linfield's won 67 consecutive years in a row. Not, not, not the largest streak in, in the country. Wow. Well, it's because all those people have that common goal of wanting to do every detail of a football play correctly so it performs, it, it gives the best result it can. And you do that. For 80 90 plays a game you're going to win a lot of ball games yeah no yeah. Doubt. yeah
1: yeah no that's good
2: right on well jeff this has been incredibly rich i'm really grateful for your time really grateful for you sharing so much wisdom with us and with our listeners it's amazing to get to to see and benefit from everything that you've built over your 42 mm. years with your business and uh, really excited for for what the future holds the uh uh, you, you still got years. Uh, this may well be the greatest lumber distribution company or hardwoods distribution company in in the world, um, and uh, and it's exciting the prospects too with your sons and with the management and leadership team that you built around you. So. Thank you very much. Listeners, thank you all for uh, joining in. And again, please make sure you check out AbundantJourney.net to keep up with all of the amazing resources that are available uh, to you there. Um, Jeff, if there were ways for people to, to connect with you, to follow, uh, to learn more, where would you send them?
0: Well, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big social media guy. <laughs> you know, I just, it just takes so much time to do that. But uh, yeah. Uh, you know, my email address is workala at hardwoodind.com, W-I-R-K-K-A-L-A at hardwoodind.com. So, you know, I uh, you know, like, like to try to help people. So if someone's got something that uh, they need help, I'd be glad to give them my two cents. That's awesome. Well,
2: that's very kind of you. We'll, uh, we'll include links um, in, in the show notes, so be sure to check those out. But once again, thank you so much.
0: All right. You're welcome.
1: My pleasure. Hey, thank you much. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. I
2: right